certainly glad to have you here and to have the whole family here. I'm Jack, if we haven't met, one of the pastors here, and uh, this is our family-friendly service, and I'm wearing shorts because when it hits above 110, I've just decided that's what Jesus would do. So um, that's where we are tonight. I just wanted to real simply take about the next 10, 11 minutes and kind of give us a, a thought to think about tonight. And then we're gonna have a little time of communion. We're gonna end with one song. And then we're gonna have a time of uh, child dedications. And so as your parent here, maybe your grandparent here for that, that'll be at the tail end of the service. So it's a shorter night tonight. Uh, like Brian mentioned earlier, we were gonna, we've been having our after parties like the last three Father's Day. And they have not been like in an oven. Uh, and we decided with the oven happening today, we were gonna reschedule that. So we'll do that uh, in the future, maybe toward the end of the summer or so. But here's the thought I have for you. I want you to think about this. If I were to ask you the question, when you think of God, what do you think about? And so you don't have to answer, just kind of answer that in your own mind. When, you, when someone says, tell me about God, what's kind of the first thoughts or images or metaphors or, or truths that kind of pop into your mind? Is there a scripture that comes to mind? Or are there trying to get your mindset around that? A.W. Tozer, I was a pastor, author, he wrote these words, I think they're very profound. He said, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. In fact, you look through the Old Testament, you look through the New Testament, here's what you begin to find, is there's a lot of metaphors used throughout scripture to try to capture what God is really like, what his nature, what his character is about. Uh, we don't have a, a kind of a physical sense. Uh, Moses said, hey, you know, this, God, I wanna see you, and God said, well, I'll, I'll kinda put you in a cliff and I'll put my hand there and you can kinda see where I was. Okay, we don't have a God who has edges or boundaries. And so it's hard to picture sometimes. And so there's lots of metaphors, lots of pictures, lots of illustrations that are used to kind of portray that. Often you might see God is portrayed as the great shepherd. Uh, it has this heart of shepherding and kind of looking after people. In fact, there's uh, ancient names that kind of like Elohim is this idea of God as creator God. He's the one that initiated everything. He's the one that, he's the all-powerful God. You hear the word Emmanuel. We use that around Christmas a lot. The fact that it's God with us. God's not a distant God who's far away and unapproachable. He's actually with us in the midst of our lives. In the Hebrew language, a lot of times you'll hear uh, Yahweh. Yahweh was kind of the, the word that people would use when they would talk about God, about who God is, and that was the name, Yahweh. There's like no vowels in it. And so this Yahweh was to kind of capture the all-powerful God that he was self-existent before anything. He wasn't a created thing. He was the one who did the creating. And so you begin to get your mind around things. Maybe like Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. That God is a provider at the core of who he is. Or Jehovah Rapha, the, the Lord who heals that he's the one who has a healing touch and a healing heart over us to want to bring healing into our life. Jehovah Ra, the Lord our shepherd. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. That within God, God is peace and that we can experience that. And so that it's hard to get your mind around all those things and because there's no one word that fully captures who God is and what his character and his nature is about. What's fascinating, though, when you begin to look at this idea of how did Jesus describe God? When Jesus gets on this scene, what's fascinating is he has one predominant word that he uses to describe God 
as father. In fact, 65 times in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke, 65 times Jesus refers to God as father, 100 times in the Gospel of John. So 165 plus times in the four gospel accounts we have about Jesus, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, we see Jesus, we see the scripture writers referring to God as Father. What's fascinating about that is that pre-Christian Jewish literature, that did not happen. The pre-Christian Jewish literature did not describe God as father. That was, uh, there was a couple instances in the Old Testament, but more so it was kind of like the father of Abraham or the father of Isaac, father of a nation, the father of a people, but not this father term that Jesus uses. In fact, in Aramaic, it's literally the word Abba. It's this idea of what little children who are around you right now, what they would refer to their daddy as. It's like Aramaic for daddy. What's fascinating is Jesus gets on this scene and the one word he wants people to understand as they think about God, they want, he wants them to begin to think of God as Father. Now I know for maybe less than half, but a high percentage of you sitting in this room, you hear that word and you instantly kind of bristle against that because you have an example. Maybe uh, your father was absent. And I'm sorry for that. Maybe you have an illustration in your own life or you think of the word father, you think back to your earthly father and you think of all the mistakes or you think of uh, just kind of this drill instructor. Maybe you think of, you have an image of your father. Maybe your father wasn't around. And so to hear that is kind of hard to get your mind and your heart around. For some of you, you have a great example. I'm blessed to come from a great lineage and heritage of a father who, who loved well, a father who modeled what it was to seek out forgiveness. And I have a great dad, but listen, my dad's not perfect. Happy Father's Day to all of you. Uh, if you're here and you're a father and you're perfect, would you raise your hand? I'd like to meet you. Because there is none of us as a father who's perfect. We're just not. We can try our best, and we should, empowered by Jesus, to do that. But here's what Jesus is really getting at. He's wanting people to understand that God is like the perfect heavenly Father, who doesn't make mistakes, who doesn't get things wrong. He's the one who has a perfect love for us. He desires to meet us, desires to know us. In fact, Paul goes on, Paul in his letters talks about God as Father over 40 different times. You'll find it in prayers, you'll find it in dedications, you'll find it in doxologies, you'll find it all throughout Paul's writings. Can I read a couple verses to you? Romans chapter eight, here's what Paul writes. For those of us who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you a slave so that you live in fear anymore. Rather, the Spirit received bought you at a price. You have been adopted into sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. He goes on, he writes about in Ephesians. He, uh, Peter picks up with this in 1 Peter chapter 1. He talks about this. And then John captures this really simply in 1 John 3, 1. He says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on you and on me, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. That's an amazing image, beginning to get your mind around, that God as Father, 
loves us. He brings benefits into our life that through faith in Christ, we have been created anew. See, fathers have a creation spirit, don't they? That's kind of what a father does, okay? That's how you got here. And so it's, we have a creative spirit. We, we think of um, James Naismith, right? He's the father of basketball. Why? Because he invented basketball over 100 years ago. We kind of put this on people who have invented or created or initiated something. We kind of call them the father of whatever they did, okay? And that, we talk about this idea that you probably have your surname passed on by your father because that's what fathers do. And what God the Father did in and through our faith in Jesus is he made us new. We are now adopted, the idea of adoption is all throughout the New Testament. This idea that we've been adopted into God's family and we're now a part because of faith in him. God is our father, which brings a personal and true affectionate relationship with him. In fact, all throughout the New Testament, God just keeps getting closer and closer because he wants to be known as God the Father. Think of Jesus. Remember the one time we have examples of Jesus telling three parables in a row? And one is this imagery of a shepherd who goes and looks for this lost sheep. And there's one image of a woman who's searching the whole house to find the one thing she treasures most. And then Jesus tells the story of this dad and this son who turns his back on his dad and leaves everything. He squanders it all and loses it all and he wants to come back as a slave. He wants to come back as a servant. And he's got a speech already, right? Shows up on dad's porch and said, dad, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. I just want to be a servant in your house. And the father doesn't even hear him. Says, go get the robe. They have this feast. My son was lost and now he's found. He's home. And this sonship identity is brought home. The eldest son stands outside of the party. What does the father do to him? He goes out to him and he invites him in. So, so what happens here is whether your life has got a background of shame or guilt, the father welcomes you into the party. Whether your life is caught up in being the goody-goody and being the self-righteous one, the father doesn't want you to miss out on the party. And so he pleads with you to come in. What you begin to see in this image is a very simple truth. God as our heavenly father is a powerful image that shapes everything we do and how we relate with him. See, if God is just a cosmic cop waiting for you to mess up, then all you have to do in your own effort is try to be good enough, right? Or try to be delusional and hide things and not get caught. But if God is your father, your perfect heavenly father. Then when things go sideways, things go wrong, we make poor choices, you can still go home to dad and he can make things right. Doesn't mean you won't face consequences of actions because we all do. But you're made right in relationship. And that's the thought I wanna leave us with tonight is God as father is this powerful image that's all throughout the scriptures and invites you and me to say, hey, we can have this personal, intimate connection with the creator of the heavens and the earth as our heavenly father, who's perfect in his ways and desires for us to relate to him as such. That changes the way you pray. It changes the way you think about God. See, what A.W. Tozer said is what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And so when you look at the scriptures, here's what you can't ignore. 
all throughout the New Testament and all throughout the life of Jesus, he wants you to understand that you can relate to God as your heavenly father because he says you can. Not because you think you can, not because you think you can muster up that, not because you can work really hard to try to create that. You can relate to him as heavenly father simply because he says he wants you to. That's the invitation this week, real simple is what would it look like to live this week relating to God as your heavenly father? Approachable is that. For some of you, that's really easy because you got a great example. Not perfect, but you got a great example. For others of you, can I just invite you that maybe the imagery that you have or this image that you have and this warped image of father, would you let God begin to reshape that and replace that with his perfect heavenly father? Love and attention and affection and correction in a, in a perfect way because he wants the best for you. And so I just wanna pray for us tonight. We're gonna open up the communion tables and if you feel led to do that as a follower of Christ, we have communion tables in the front and down, or down front and in the middle here. And then we're gonna close with singing uh, a good, good father again. And I want you to lean into that. If God says we can relate to him as heavenly father, then lean into that and let this week be a week where you relate to him as Heavenly Father because he says you can. And let that change your concept of how you see the world and how you interact with him. So let's pray. Father, thanks for the opportunity for us to gather together tonight. Thanks that we can come to you as Heavenly Father. That we don't have to come in any other way. And so many images of what people think about you I pray that you would correct our image and our concept of you with the one of Jesus that he put on display so evidently, so profoundly that you want to be known as Abba, Father, as our heavenly daddy who's perfect in your wisdom for us and your correction of us and your leadership for us and speaking into our lives and leading us forward. As we get prepared to take communion here, we remember the life of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection that created the path and the opportunity for us to have life with you and to be able to relate to you as Heavenly Father. So this week, would you go about correcting any faultiness in how we see you and replacing that with seeing you truly as our Heavenly Father? We ask that in Jesus' name, amen.